You're listening to At Large, a global affairs podcast brought to you by China U.S. Focus. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, James Chow. It's October 16th in Hong Kong, and you're listening to episode 21. I begin this week with what I think should be the most important story in everyone's inbox. Two people, one man and one young woman, by the names of Dennis McQuaigie and Nadia Murad, had jointly won this year's Nobel Peace Prize. This is, of course, one of the world's most important recognitions. But I want to focus on the work that they're being honoured for. Dr. McQuaigie is a gynaecologist who for many years has been treating girls and women impacted by rape and sexual violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Murad herself was kidnapped by ISIS, as have many other women in Iraq, whose eventual release she now works for under what she calls Nadia's initiative. I saw Murad from afar at the Goalkeepers event in New York last month, hosted by Bill and Melinda Gates. From the moment she stepped onto the stage, you could sense a great seriousness in her focus. Some people, and this is not a criticism, who have the level of attention she's earned through her work, can sometimes lose themselves in that public glare. But you could tell that she remains the person she is. She was extremely impressive, and if there was any surprise when the Nobel Committee made its announcement, it is her relative youth. At 25 years old, she is the second youngest recipient after Malala Yousafzai. No doubt the Nobel will give her work new opportunities, and at the core of that are the women she continues to work for. She tweeted a picture from the White House and her meeting with Vice President Mike Pence and Ivanka Trump. She used their time together to ask Washington for the financial resources to support the Yazidi community in Iraq. As timing would have it, last Thursday was also International Day of the Girl. And on that day, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres called for global access to education, job training and employment opportunities for girls. He said, we need to equip girls with transferable and lifelong skills such as critical thinking, creativity and digital awareness. In this episode, I want to talk about currency manipulation, what happened at the IMF meeting in Bali, and a demonstration in France against climate change. But let's go first to a story from Bloomberg Businessweek, which says a huge supply chain attack by China has hit 30 companies and the US government. Those companies have rejected the claims made in that report. Let's hear first what Bloomberg has to say, and then we'll listen to the others. We cite 17 different sources in the story. Now, these are senior-level officials across the government and also senior-level individuals inside the affected companies. That was Jordan Robertson, who's a cybersecurity reporter at Bloomberg News. If you go to his Twitter, he's pinned his investigation that he co-authored with Michael Riley to the top of his feed, which says China used a tiny chip to infiltrate some of the best-known American businesses. He highlights two of them in his headline, Apple and Amazon. The problem is that Apple and Amazon have both denied the claims he's making. Amazon says there are so many inaccuracies in this article as it relates to Amazon that they're hard to count. As for Apple, it's said in a statement that we're deeply disappointed that Bloomberg did not consider that its sources might be wrong or misinformed. 
The Chinese Foreign Ministry had this to say. This is Lu Kang, the spokesman at the ministry. The relevant accusation is totally groundless. Someone in the U.S. keeps trying to slander and frame China by making up a story based on hearsay evidence. So what could explain the big gap in understanding? Paul Triolo is with the Eurasia Group. It's an independent consultancy. On its website, he's described as someone who for 25 years held senior positions in the U.S. government with a focus on China's rise as a science, technology and cyber power. Here's his take on this story. It comes at a very, very sensitive time uh, in U.S.-China relations, too. So some people have questioned the timing of this, too. Uh, and why this has come out right now. You make up your own mind, and maybe you want to tweet me about it, and I can share some of your comments in my next episode. We are at China US Focus, or you can tweet me personally at James Chow. I'm not sure if you've heard the other story that US Treasury officials are holding back from declaring China a currency manipulator. It's one of those lines that have been trot out so many times in Washington that you end up default believing it. I was always told as a child that repetition is very important. You say it once, you say it twice, people may or may not believe you. But if you keep saying it again and again and again, it does gain a veneer of fact, whether it is fact or fiction. So it was surprising even to me to read that the Treasury is hesitating to follow the official line. Apparently, the department has advised its own secretary, Steve Mnuchin, that China is not a manipulator. It'll be interesting to see if in public he uses that advice or goes with what the White House has been saying all along. I want to play you a few comments on our next story. These are the voices of demonstrators in Paris who for a second time this month have used their weekend to call on their government and the international community to act against the impact of climate change. This is what they're saying. I know I'm responsible. It's true. We were blind to the conditions that we are seeing today. The situation now is very, very serious. It's important to save our planet for our future and that of our children when we're grown. It says save la planète, what means um, save the planet because maybe one day it'll be too hot. As you can hear, some of the protesters were very young, they were children, others were much older. Climate change has the ability to unite people to a common front and for a common cause. I've been to a number of climate change conferences, they're called the COP conferences. I went to the one in Doha and also the landmark one in Paris, where the agreement to curb carbon dioxide emissions was crafted. The then UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon told me in a subsequent interview that it is because of the US and China that the deal was made possible, hence his deep disappointment when the US chose to withdraw, leaving China now as the sole single country power to keep the momentum going. This is At Large, your weekly podcast on China, the US and the world. Keep listening. China gets a mixed scorecard from the international community in different areas. I think many people are rightly tough on it because they expect a lot from a country that occupies an expanding global leadership role. 
there are many areas that China can significantly progress on, and I think that's a widely accepted viewpoint. But I will say this, on climate change and in its own fight against poverty, it sometimes doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. In that sense, I think recognition is important. It keeps people incentivized, it keeps them encouraged. And if you look at China, both as a major emitter, but also as a major family of people, the action taken by its leadership on climate change is important. Now, this is not just about China. I would say this for any government, especially if they have the capacity to deliver for good. So in this respect, I'll say keep them encouraged and let them do the work. Last week, I played you a couple of comments on Christine Lagarde, the IMF's Managing Director. This week, and after its annual meeting in Indonesia, I'm going to shift the focus slightly to what the IMF is saying about China. We've got the trade war between the US and China, and the tariffs flying between them. It's no good to anyone, least of all to themselves and their own people. But December 2018, which is coming up very soon, is 40 years from December 1978, when then-Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping opened up the Chinese economy to the world and in so doing allowed it to relax into a new era it had never known before. We know that in the four decades since, poverty in China has been slashed from hundreds of millions to the last tens of millions. And if nothing else, the Chinese economy has gone from being almost nothing to almost everything, the second biggest only after the US and right in front of Japan. How much the world has changed. The IMF's Deputy Managing Director Zhang Tao put that into new context. During the last 40 years, uh, China uh, and Chinese people um, have benefited greatly from the, uh, the reforms and the opening uh, to the world. And, and I believe China will continue uh, this way uh, in, the, in the future. What I found really interesting were a couple of lines he used at the end of that interview, hinting that what China is doing is not limited to itself, but how this is accelerating the shift that the geopolitical landscape is currently experiencing. China will play a more and more important roles in improving and uh, building a new uh, systems for multilateral trade and investment to in order for for everybody's uh, to gain from a new and more open more fair uh, systems so that everybody can benefit from the systems when I think about what he says about China helping to build new systems that are open, fair and inclusive, I think not just about the monetary system, but about the climate change system, the global economy system, the science and technology system. All of these are areas in which it can, or you can already say, is playing its global leadership role. There'll be many who will question whether what is being done by China is being driven by good values. And that's where I'll say again that encouragement is going to be key to keep things moving forward in that country. I want to be able to give you a preview of what will be on this show next week. But of course, while we can anticipate some stories, we don't yet know what's going to happen between now and the next seven days. But join me then. We'll find out together and we'll bring you some analysis on that. You've been listening to At Large with James Chow. 
For more episodes, you can go to chinausfocus.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe at Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and more. Thanks for joining us.